Thank you for listening to the Parker DC Sermon Podcast. The following message is a ministry of Parker Memorial Baptist Armorville campus. We aim to be biblically faithful, Christ exalting, and God glorifying as we preach and teach the scriptures with boldness and application. We hope you will join us in person this Sunday morning at 11 a.m. for worship celebration. For more information about Parker DC, visit us at www.dclivelove.com. We hope you enjoy. Thank you. that I, I love doing. I love sharing the Word of God. Uh, and I love taking the opportunity to give Him praise, to glorify Him for the things that He's done in my life. And uh, as I've been here the last uh, few months getting to, to know you guys, um, I recognize faces. Uh, I'm still getting names with faces. I'm still getting kids with parents. So continue to be patient with me with that. But um, I wanted to take the opportunity to share a little bit about what God's done in my life, um, where he's, is that not, it's not, I, th- I think it's set for Joey, <laughs> and uh, I'm not Joey, if y'all haven't noticed, I'm much prettier than Joey, um, y'all don't tell him that, I'm, pr- I'm sure he's watching, <laughs> he's listening, um, I wanted to take an opportunity just to, to share um, where I've been, where I've come from, what the Lord's uh, done in my life. Um, and I don't think Kelly could have chosen a better uh, set of music uh, to explain that. And he, he came to me, that's ringing quite a bit. If we can pull that back just a little bit, maybe. Um, came to me uh, with that last song probably about a month, month and a half ago. He said, you know, the song's been on my heart. And when it came to the opportunity for me to share, I said, Kelly, that would be the, op- this would be the perfect opportunity because that's what, um, that speaks to what the Lord's done in my life. And I wanted to read the first verse because, I mean, the truth of this is just so powerful. It says, my Lord, I did not choose you. For that could never be. My heart would still refuse you had you not chosen me. You took the sin that stained me, cleansed me, made me new. Of old you have ordained me that I should live in you. When we sit down and think about it, there's nothing that we could have done apart from Christ. Uh, I look at I look at family members that don't know the Lord. I look at other people and, you know, they go through life and they realize I'm good. I've got it all together. Outside of God taking this heart of stone that we have and making it flesh, they would never choose him. They would go on about life being okay with where they were. I know I would have gone on about life being okay with where I was. And that wasn't okay. That wasn't good. Um, There's been a lot of talk here over the last probably month, month and a half, um, uh, as Pastor Joey's been preaching through um, understanding the sovereignty of God. And that's not something that you can uh, really run from because the scripture is saturated with the sovereignty of God. This idea that 
God is the supreme power and authority above all things. It's kind of like everything that we do, we all answer to somebody. Doesn't matter how old you are, parent or kids, you answer to your parents. We answer to the law, the land, governments. They have to answer to somebody. God doesn't answer to anybody. God is the supreme authority above all things. Um, Psalm 115.3 tells us, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Colossians 1, 15-20. I love this. It's probably one of my favorite verses of Scripture. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. There's a... Um, passage or uh, a, a writing I was reading one time and it said that God can't just be prominent in our lives he has to be preeminent he has to be the first in everything for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross God is the supreme authority Above all things. He has to be the number one in our life. And it's like Kelly was saying, for him to put anything else above him would be idolatry. And then he wouldn't be God and he wouldn't be sovereign. Everything that we are, everything that I am, is because of the work that Christ has done. Nothing that I've done. This is quote, by a gentleman named Greg Stikes that says, We are the beloved recipients of God's mercy, to be sure. But we are also humble servants, unworthy to be called by his name sinners saved by grace. That is why in the wisdom of God, there is nothing that we can bring to offer him for our salvation. It means that our salvation is not about us. It is about Christ. For him, through him, and to him. Everything that we are has to start with Christ being number one. So I wanted to take this morning and share a little bit about uh, my testimony. Again, where I've come from. And again, understanding and looking at that in light of what Christ has done. Um, Romans 5 tells us that we were enemies. Apart from Christ. Our testimony isn't about us. It isn't about what we've done uh, or where we've been. Our testimony is about the glory of Christ and Christ alone. So before I got started in my story, I wanted to share a little bit out of Ephesians 1. So you'll turn there. Because um, this really just kind of lays out um, who Christ is. And when, when Paul's writing this letter, he doesn't start this letter off like he's done a lot of his other letters where he's um, giving joy um, for the people. He's actually taking this time to bless Christ 
or not bless Christ, but praise him for the blessings. And he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He chose us to be holy, to be set apart and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. I love that passage. We, we get the same idea out of Romans 11 where Paul says that we were grafted in um, with the tribe of Israel. God took Israel. He chose them. He could have chosen anybody, but he took that people and said, you are going to be my people. And then as Gentiles, we get grafted into that same promise. God chose us. He adopted us um, through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us and the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the forgiveness, uh, according to the riches of his grace. And I love how he puts this, he lavished upon us. He gave in great abundance grace that we didn't need and that we didn't deserve. We needed, but we didn't deserve. And all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as he planned for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11. In him we have attained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. God is sovereign. God works all things for his glory, not for us. And if you look in that passage, it's over and over and over. Things were done in him for his purpose because of him. That doesn't give any room for us to do anything. God has to call us. God has to change us. God loved us first. And he, did, and he did that not because he needed us. Acts 17 tells us that. When Paul is with uh, the people in Athens, he says, God didn't build these temples as though he needed anything. He didn't need you. He didn't need me. But I'm thankful that he delighted in me enough to call me, to choose me, to draw me to him, that I might have that relationship with him. And so, um, as I've thought about where I've been, what he's done, um, everything is because of Christ. Uh, I didn't grow up in a, um, a Christian home. I grew up with parents that were 
what most people would call morally good. You know, they weren't out running around, drinking, stuff like that. You know, they try to teach us right from wrong. Um, but obviously, I mean, there was, there was something missing. You know, even in, in, in light of what they tried to teach me, what they tried to impart uh, in me, um, I still had a desire to live according to my flesh. I still had a desire to do what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it, when I wanted to do it. I don't know if anybody uh, can relate with that. Um, if you get to know me a little bit, I'm a little stubborn. Um, I, I, like, I like things a certain way. I like to do it the way I feel like it needs to be done. Most of the time, I'm not writing that, and usually Manny points that out. Um, but, uh, and, and, and usually I'm too stubborn to, to admit it until a little while, and, and she's, she's graceful to uh, just let me sit in my stubbornness and let the wor Lord work on me. But I had a desire to do things uh, my own way. And uh, as, as I started to uh, get a little older, uh, I always, always had um, a strong desire to, to fit in, to uh, fit into the crowd. Uh, got bullied a lot. And so I, I would do what I needed to do uh, to make sure that I was in that crowd. So by 14 years old, I was smoking, I was drinking. Um, looking at things I shouldn't have been looking at, um, hanging out with the wrong crowd, um, getting myself into trouble, but not too much trouble because I didn't like getting into trouble, but I like kind of pushing to that point. Anybody been there? Anybody like walking up close to that edge, seeing just how close I can get to the edge before I fall off? Um, and so... I did what I wanted to do. Um, I found myself by high school um, jumping from relationship to relationship just because I could, whether I hurt their feelings or not, just getting out of it what I could get out of it because I was very self-focused. It was all about me. Um, by the time I hit uh, probably about my, my senior year of high school, um, the Lord had done a great work on my parents uh, through some friends. And they started to take the time to try to share that, that new truth with me. And I, I had a um, couple of women in my life, a uh, couple of my dad's sisters that were, that were believers, that, that were always bold enough to share that truth. And they still are. They could care less who you are if, if God lays on the heart to share his gospel, they're going to do it. And they spent years sharing that in my life. Um, and sometimes I think just to kind of get them off my back, I got saved two, three, four times. Uh, this, this isn't like real salvation. I'm going to lay that out there. You can't get saved multiple times. Um, but uh, that's what worked for me at the time. And that was wrong. Um, and so... You know, I was, my, my parents started taking that time to, to share that truth um, to me, but it just, it just wasn't clicking. Uh, so by my senior year, I started going to church with them. Um, always been a musician, so I was playing in the praise bands, singing in the choir, and um, I was at the club Saturday night. And I was there drinking, you know, having a good time to 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, 
and then up on stage the next morning, supposedly praising God. And um, just really kind of spitting in his face, I would say. And as, as, as I think about sharing, sharing my testimony, you know, some of you guys, you know, my, my hope uh, with this is, is hopefully maybe some of you guys can relate. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I've, I've been there. Um, some of y'all might not have that kind of testimony. Some of us, you know, we think about sharing our testimonies and, you know, we think about you know, the drug addicts and, and, and the murderers and these people that have done terrible things. And there's this great redemption story. And, there, you know, there are people like me that kind of went along life doing things here and there. And there's some of us that would be like, I grew up in church. I don't have that kind of redemption story. You know, I wasn't that bad. Yes, you were. You were still depraved. Whether you grew up in church or not, it's still, you still are required to repent. It is still up to you when God calls your life to get on your face before him and cry out for his mercy. And I think those are some of the greater stories. Someone that could have just gone on and at one point, you know, show up and say, look, Lord, you know, I cast out demons in your name and, and I healed people. And look at all the things that I've done. And the Lord's going to say, depart from me because I never knew you. It doesn't matter what your story is. We all still need Christ. We all need him. And we can't do anything apart from him. So it's, it's, it's always, always been interesting to me, the opportunities to be able to look back, especially now that I have this understanding of the sovereignty of God, of God's working, of God having his hand in everything, of being able to look back and really see him lining things up. Because it wouldn't have been me. I would have just kept on going. But to watch him just really, um, you know, we can, we can choose our path, but God directs our steps, right? To watch God direct every little step in my life. And uh, we, we had an instance, again, you know, by this point, my parents had, had come to the Lord, was sharing with me. And um, had a brand new vehicle I had just bought. And... Um, my brother, my brother and sister like to have this, they, they like to manipulate a little bit. And they would usually wait till I was asleep, and they'd wake me up first thing in the morning. Hey, hey, can I borrow your truck? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And I'd wake up wondering where my truck was, because I had no idea. <laughs> and um, so my brother had borrowed my truck, and um, I had some classes. Uh, I was a martial arts instructor. I had some classes I had to teach on a Saturday morning. I'm teaching classes, and... See my brother and his girlfriend roll up to the karate school. And I'm like, that's not, that's not normal for him to be here. So I walked up to my mom, who, who was uh, working there. I said, uh, so uh, what was Rob doing here? And she gave me this look. And I said, he wrecked the car, didn't he? She said, yeah. And initially, I was, I was concerned, you know, for him, just making sure he was all right. Come to find out he had been out with his buddies. He had been doing this for a while, jumping hills. And he jumped one too high and came down front end to the ground and uh, did about $13,000 worth of damage. They basically had to completely rebuild 
the whole vehicle. And um, just to show how influential I was, just listening to, to some of my friends, man, I would kill them. I'd be so angry, and I started to get angry. Um, I started to get very angry uh, to the point that it got where my brother, who was my best friend, was now one of my biggest enemies. Um, got to the point where we were on the verge of fist fighting, um, yelling and screaming at each other. Uh, and the stress that that caused me, I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, the anxiety that that built. Um, I mean, so much so I remember my mom trying to um, just share truth with me and me just cussing my mom out because I was just so angry. Um, and so the, the Lord working the way he works uh, imparted um, on my mom and as discerning as she was, she says, you know, today's the national day of prayer. You want to go over to the church and pray with me? I said, yeah, I need to do that. And um, we went, we prayed. I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know what I was praying. We came back home. And that was earlier in the year. And later that year, we, we had a ministry come to our church, um, a church called Life Action Ministry, or a ministry called Life Action Ministries. And um, God really used them to do an amazing thing in my life. Um, you know, we're going to have the opportunity to experience that later this year um, of being able to have team members into our homes um, and people to bless us, people that will, you know, be taking over the services, taking over the singing, and um, just seeking for the Lord to do something great in the church. Um, this isn't about uh, a... Um, normal type southern revival where you know it's an evangelistic message every night you know calling the lost this is for the church this is for the people of god this is for us to come back to our first love if we walked away from it and the first night god hit me like a ton of bricks and all i knew to do was just to get on my face and give myself to him i didn't know what that looked like um but i just knew uh, at that point, I needed to have him. And like I said, looking back, I watched the steps of him preparing my heart, softening my heart, drawing me to himself. And so uh, my, my boss at the time, you know, I was telling him about this. And I said, look, now I've got to keep going to these meetings each night. I have to. I mean, I have to see what the Lord's going to do. And he says, that's great. You go. You come back. You tell me what the Lord's been teaching you. That's the only thing I ask. And it was, it was a joy to be able to come back and say, you know, just, just lay out um, this understanding of who God was. And so the Lord laid on my heart the craziest thing. He's like, you need to, you need to travel with him. You need, to, you need to try out. And so I did as, as, as a singer. And... Um, I'm, I'm not typically a singer. I'm an instrumentalist. <laughs> Been a saxophone player since middle school. So the idea that they wanted me to actually come up and sing in front of them um, was tough. Um, and it took me a while. It took me a while. while we were at a church because I traveled with Kelly for a long time. The first time I actually sang in front of a group, Kelly, I tell you, I sounded like Darth Vader singing a song. 
Uh, it was rough. <laughs> um, but, um, but I did, and for whatever reason, they saw, God saw fit to join me to that ministry, and that's where it got good. Um, you know, we, we think about what God does, and, and in Philippians, Philippians 1, he tells us, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is the idea of sanctification. It comes from the same word that we get holy from. God calls us, be holy as I am holy. Be set apart as I am set apart. We see in Scripture the idea of, of the saints, those who are set apart. Same word. This idea of sanctification is an ongoing being set apart, a continual being set apart. God working in our lives to make us more like him. Allowing us to abide in him, to walk in him, to worship him. And so through this, through this ministry, the Lord really, really used that to, um, to teach me, to grow me, to put me around um, men and women that knew what it was to love the Lord. Um, put me around um, people that were willing to, to, to ask the hard questions, willing to point out my sin, love me enough to point out my sin, and, and help me grow in that. And I mean, that's, that's the church right there, isn't it? Confess our sins to one another, love one another, be willing to um, go to a brother who's stepped away from the faith one-on-one -on -one so that we might bring him back. Loving him enough if he's not listening to go with two or three people. Go before the church enough to love somebody to bring them back. I had people that were willing to do that. And as I went through that through that process, uh, the Lord really did so much in, in my life and growing me and, and, and showing me um, and, and humbling me uh, through that. Because there, there, there was a lot of times through that where um, I was gung-ho about stuff, very dogmatic about stuff I probably shouldn't have been as dogmatic about because I didn't quite understand as, not, as much. Um, but learning to, to, to speak in grace, learning to um, speak in love, to others and really grow to worship him in spirit and in truth because that's what we're called to do that's what it's about god put us on this earth for one thing and one thing only to glorify him to bring him glory to worship him and to show others what that is to worship him worship him and to love him to share that gospel we're called to go out, to teach those, to disciple those. Um, through that time, uh, God called me um, to share the word. Uh, I, left, I left Life Action, uh, went to Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina, um, to seek to do that. And um, really grew in a, in a, in a different way of, of learning uh, who he was um, who I am in him, uh, seeking to um, 
walk in his truth. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was blessed with the opportunity to, uh, to meet my wife. Uh, that's, that's a whole nother story. Um, if you guys ever want to hear it, I'll be glad to share it. And you'll get a different version of it depending on who you talk to. Um, mine's the right version. But uh, don't tell her I said that. Um, but uh, got, got to meet my wife, got to meet somebody who was just as bold as pointing out my sin. Um, and, and not in a, you know, elbow your husband in the ribs kind of way, but truly, you know, did you really think that was right? Did you really consider this? Um, someone who's, who's um, through different struggles, been the face of Christ uh, to me in my relationship with her. Um, and, and so as, as we've grown together and, and, you know, allowing the Lord to just to lead us, to guide us, um, I'm so thankful that he brought us here. Um, it's, it's, it's been a joy to be around people that have been so loving and um, have a heart to know God, have a heart to seek God, and have a heart to make sure that others know and seek God. And so as... As I continue on, you know, I'm looking forward to the ways that God will continue to um, sanctify us, continue to make us set apart, continue to make me set apart, um, you know, through you guys. Um, I, I'm not one that's uh, above reproach. If you see sin in my life, call it out. I expect that. Um, that's what we're called to do. That's how we love each other. But looking back, you know, I can't look at my life. I can't look at my testimony apart from the complete sovereignty and workings of Christ in my life. He has his hands in everything, absolutely everything. Um, and you can't deny it. Scripture, like I said, Scripture is rich from the first word of Genesis to the last word of Revelation of God working. God completely working. And we might not get it. We might not see it. That doesn't mean he's not working. And that really takes, if you think about it, if you, you understand what it is to trust and the absolute sovereignty of who God is, it takes a lot of pressure off of our daily lives. Because God's in control. Be anxious for nothing. But in all things, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, who surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We can only do that understanding the sovereignty of God. Knowing that he's got this. That doesn't mean we don't have any responsibility. But we can trust him. Peter tells us that Christ is our living hope. He's not dead. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he sent us the Holy Spirit, the helper to guide us, to direct us, to pray for us when we don't know how to pray. Hebrews tells us that Christ, our great intercessor, prays for us. So God is in control. God is working. And that's my hope um, for our church, uh, not only this year as we go through, 
is just seeking and understanding his sovereignty, understanding and making much, like Kelly said earlier, making much of him. Because he alone is worthy of all that glory. He alone is worthy of all that praise. Nothing else, no one else deserves it. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I'm so thankful for your grace. So thankful for your mercy. So thankful that for whatever reason you saw fit, you delighted in me enough to send your only begotten son. That he would give himself, sacrifice himself. It's a perfect, holy sacrifice that I might be uh, redeemed, that my sins would be washed away. That I would be made new and clean so that I could have that relationship with you, Father. I'm so thankful because I don't deserve that, Lord. None of us deserve that. But we have it because you loved. You are in control. You are above all things, Father. Preeminent. And I pray that each day you would continue to be preeminent in my life. That I would learn to die to myself, take up my cross, and follow you daily. Lord, we just ask that we give ourselves to you, that we surrender ourselves to you, and that we glorify your holy name.